Welcome to Let's Connect for Good. I'm Alicia Sternberg-Yanos. Our guest today is Dr. Tracy Packiam-Alloway, and she's a foremost expert in working memory. She has a fantastic book out, Think Like a Girl, 10 Unique Strengths of a Woman's Brain and How to Make Them Work for You. Tracy and I met six years ago when I was working for a startup media company. I was on the hunt for people with not just a scientific credibility, but somebody that was really relatable. And that's what makes Tracy so unique because she lets us get to know her. And when you think about psychologists and psychiatrists, there's this image of this this note taker, this intense note taker, you know, the visual that you see of somebody sitting across from somebody, maybe even tapping their foot, but that's not Tracy. While Tracy has an extremely impressive background, it's her understanding and her humanism and her way of being able to adapt and understand who is sitting in front of her, her ability to connect with us. She lets us in and we feel comfortable letting her in because of it. Tracy lives her work. And if you go on Instagram and Twitter, she's there running barefoot, playing with her dog, even practicing yoga with goats while she's even up in the air floating on a trapeze. So she's both serious about the science and fun-loving at the same time. Tracy lets us see her, and so we let her see us. And that is a gift. Welcome, Tracy. I want to add on a personal note that I'm happy to have you as my friend and share you with everybody. And also to say that Tracy is somebody that outside of our friendship and initial meeting through work six years ago is like, a family member, and I appreciate that. Now, Tracy, my first question for you is, can you just tell us something about yourself that we wouldn't know? <laughs> well, first of all, Alicia, what a lovely introduction. Thank you so much. I'm just <laughs> blown away and a little emotional. <laughs> Thank you so much for that. Um, I'll gather myself together quickly here. Hugs. Um, <laughs> I thank you back at you. Um, something about me. I was born in Malaysia and lived the early part of my childhood there. I'm not sure how many people know that. And I still, when I think, you know, in those moments when we crave our childhood foods, they're always Malaysian dishes that my mom used to make. A connection <laughs> food, right? Things that bring you together. Yes. <laughs> it, it tells people who you are, where you're from, right? It's your history. Mm -hmm. And that's yes. how we learn to connect. So another thing that I think would be super helpful to everyone is, can you briefly explain working memory? Working memory, I like to call it our active memory or the memory that we use to work with information. So first of all, it's housed in the front of the brain in the prefrontal cortex. So if you touch your forehead, that's where working memory lives. And we use working memory in almost everything that we do on a daily basis. So for example, right now, in having this conversation with you, Alicia, I'm using my working memory to listen to your questions, process those questions, and then map information that I know from my long-term memory and synthesize all that information to give back a response to you. And so we use it in everyday life in a lot of activities that, are, that we have not automatized. That's incredible because, you know, you hear these, you hear these scientific, you know, working memory, right? And we, mm -hmm. we, as, we as listeners and people wanting to connect with you, it's, it's important we understand these things and it lets us connect a little bit better to, to why you're so great at what you do and how mm -hmm. we can tap in and understand 
or, or understand why things aren't working the way we want them to and how we might be able to access some, some ways to help us build on our working memory. And it's, this new book of yours is incredible too on so many levels and it's, it's so reflective of who you are because it's, speaking of mapping, I'm all about compasses <laughs> and maps. Um, mm-hmm. It's a roadmap to tap into the female brain through the lens of a, you know, of science, but it's also straightforward, practical advice. So it ignites our areas of the mind and it'll serve us in a myriad of situations. We can use it homework, wherever we arrive. And I think mm-hmm. you're the approachable scientist, if you will. You use layperson's terms so that we can understand fully what you're telling us. And I think that's what makes this so powerful. This book is very straightforward and does that. The other thing that I want to say is that this is helpful for both men and women. It gives men the opportunity to understand, and I'm going to give it to not just women, but men in my life, <laughs> how women's brains can teach us a thing or two, right? I mean, it's, it's sort of flipping, flipping the coin, if you will, instead of everything being related to men and how they think, and that's why the world works the way that it does. It's, hey, why don't we all work together and understand each other? how we function, how we function together. So a lot of the concepts in this book can be used um, to help everybody during this pandemic and going forward. And Tracy, you and I have talked about this um, before. Mm-hmm. And I think so much of what you do is, is sort of an overlay to what we can do at this time. And so can you talk about a couple of concepts uh, within the book I was thinking maybe bonding or whatever it is that you want to pull mm-hmm. out that might be able to be useful and helpful for everyone. Yes. First of all, thank you so much for mentioning my book. Um, it was definitely a book that I wish I had growing up as, as a young girl. One of the things I wanted to address right on is these myths or these stories that we hear about how our brain works and how scientifically accurate are those representations. And so one of the things I look at is, are women more emotional when we make decisions, for example? But given that we're here talking about connecting, one of the chapters I really enjoyed writing is about bonding. And um, I, I put it under the umbrella of the love brain because it goes with the partner, the attraction brain. But one of the things um, that I look at is whether women crave bonding in relationships more than men. And I look at the science behind that and how as humans, as people, we're hardwired to seek oxytocin. And that's a neurotransmitter in the brain, a hormone in the brain that seeks out bonding. And it, it, it comes to play right in infancy when the mother and child are connecting, oxytocin is released to bring them closer together. And what I find really interesting about the science behind this is that our very early relationships with our parents set a template. It's not hardwired, which is the good news, (laughs) but it does provide a framework for how we seek out romantic relationships in attachments and how we even perceive another person's actions towards us in a social situation. So in that particular chapter, I talk about three types of attachment styles. A secure attachment, um, this idea whether you feel that um, it's easy for you to get close to other people, you're comfortable depending on them. Those are examples of a secure attachment style. Another type of attachment style would be characterized like this. 
I'm somewhat uncomfortable being close to others. I find it difficult to trust them completely. I'm nervous when people get too close. Uh, and so that's an example of an avoidant attachment style where you're reluctant or you feel like you, you find it hard to trust other people. And yet you tend to be overly dependent on them. So as we're talking about this, you may see pieces of yourself in some of these attachment styles. And the last one is what's known as an anxious or an ambivalent attachment style where you feel uncomfortable getting close to people and you worry that your partner doesn't love you or doesn't want to stay with you. And so I think, you know, a big takeaway here is to, first of all, understand your own attachment style as an adult, because often you hear people say, well, why do I keep picking the wrong people? Or why do I end up being friends with the wrong people? So not just even in romantic relationships, but who are we finding ourselves gravitating towards could have a lot to do with our attachment style needs that we may not be aware of. So given the fact that we can't touch each other, right? And this whole idea <laughs> of the different styles. So, so how do you help? You know, you may have these people that are so touchy-touchy all the time. That's their <laughs> style. That's the way they want. And then you have these people that are already in that place where they're removing themselves from connecting physically or emotionally even because they're afraid. This whole piece of bonding, where we are today with COVID, how, how might people be able to connect in new ways right now that could be helpful so that they, let's say they've gained some ground with somebody and someone who's kind of avoiding this connection and this bonding, how, how might they be able to connect using, I mean, unfortunately we all have Zoom fatigue and that's a whole other thing <laughs> we could touch on, right? It's, it's <laughs> enough is enough. We want to meet our friend by the water cooler. But for those people that are naturally avoiding that connection, how do you help them at a time when even the most connected of people feel incredibly disconnected? Yeah, I think the good news is that even online or virtual connections do show that sense of oxytocin. You do see that same bond. And so, you know, even with the rise of with, with social distancing, we do see a rise of people from different states, you know, friendships that you may have had since your childhood, but obviously because of time and everything else, you maybe don't reach out as often. And all of a sudden you have the gift of time. People meet up to play card games together or cooking sessions together all online. And so I think that at this time, it's a great opportunity for us to almost reassess or recalibrate and think, well, what different ways can I seek out connection that aren't in person? So maybe you can't meet in a coffee shop or you wish not to do that. Maybe there are activities that you enjoy doing and you can find online groups, whether it's a hobby that you enjoy pursuing or, as I said, even a, a virtual cooking session. And I've done a few of those and, you know, with friends, new friends, you know, from California and all different states. And it's been really fun because I would not have sought out those opportunities out with this social distancing uh, framework that we were in. So right. I think the way to approach that is just, is instead of just, focusing on what we don't have is to shift and think of what can you seek out instead. And you may find, you know, ways to grow, whether it's a hobby that you like or a friendship that you had left aside just due to, you know, present day commitments and so on. And it, it, it may prove to be very fulfilling and, and provide that same oxytocin um, that you may have gotten from face-to-face -face communications. So in just thinking of, of you, now you're living in Florida, 
again, I'm going to go back to some of the fun things you do with social media <laughs> um, and really fun things. <laughs> Can you talk about some of the things that you were doing personally to, um, to connect with people? in terms of just having fun? <laughs> well, that's a great question. I'm guessing you're referring to during the pandemic. Um, yes. And what I did do is, first of all, start my day with a sense of gratitude. And I know that's not so much connection, but it did help me get my mindset in the right frame. So instead of thinking of what I didn't have, it really just set my mindset on what I did have. And we do know from even brain imaging studies that gratitude can actually rewire the brain and change our functional activation of how we use our brain. And so we know from research that the left side of the brain, the Broca's area, your language center, is more strongly involved in an optimistic or positive outlook. And in contrast, the, uh, there's a different part of the brain that is activated when we have a more pessimistic approach. It's a more visual part of the brain. And so it's, it, for me, it was really important to bring the science into my daily life by, by being very intentional and articulate in saying, today I'm grateful for one, two, and three. And sometimes it was hard and it was just as simple as, I'm grateful for sunshine. I'm grateful for the fact that I can, you know, be outside for 10 minutes. And it wasn't anything large or big. And uh, mm -hmm. as I said, some days it was incredibly difficult for, for me to find something to actually be grateful for. And I would just, you know, be intentional about looking around and say, I'm grateful I can breathe. I'm grateful that, you know, I can stand outside for a few minutes. And just that simple reshifting, uh, we, you know, we have to remind ourselves that the brain is much like a muscle and by activating and practicing that gratitude side of the brain that language center it really strengthens it so it becomes far more automatized far more natural for us to focus on something grateful instead of what we're missing out instead so that was the first thing that i did and as far as actually connecting it was a good chance for me to evaluate and think of things that I enjoy and then take opportunities to f seek them virtually. So I mentioned online cooking. I grew up back again to that personal question you asked mm -hmm. me. Um, I grew up in a family that loves to cook uh, and my grandmother especially would cook from scratch. Everything, you know, was from scratch, even simple things like jello. She would get seaweed and spend, you know, the whole day soaking it and then straining it. And, you know, as a child, you get to see all of it and be part of it. You get to, you know, you're given these little jobs to do and you grind cinnamon in the mortar and pestle. And so cooking was a big part of my childhood and that um, being part of virtual cooking classes with, with uh, friends that I'd connected with on social media, it was a lot of fun and, and gave me an opportunity to connect back with, with a real joy and something that brought back a lot of happy memories. And um, that was one. The second thing that I did, I was actually writing the book, Think Like a Girl during that time. And for me, it proved to be very challenging because I am a very social person and a big part of writing is that I love to talk about the ideas and it gives me it's, it gives me a sounding board to know if I'm on the right path. Is this something people are interested in? You know, so for example, one of the chapters is about happiness. And I would love to, if I was at a coffee shop, say, well, you know, I'm writing this book and I'm talking about happiness. And right away that opens the door. Oh, happy. Wow. I, and you get to hear what they think happiness is. And I can match that to the science. And I, it helps me develop what a, an audience might be interested in knowing about happiness. So 
that was challenging because not having that opportunity meant, you know, it was a little bit more um, isolated. So my creative approach was to take that online and I had a chance to do lots of uh, online quizzes on social media. So one of the chapters <laughs> yeah. I talked about um, the attraction uh, brain and I talk about personality traits that again science has shown links into satisfaction in relationships and just giving quizzes and having these conversations in my Instagram stories was my way of being able to connect and understand what people were interested in in different topics from you know risk taking as I said happiness uh, attraction and so on that that have all made their way into the book I'm certainly grateful for people I've never even met all around both the US and the world that took their time to participate in these fun little surveys that I was doing well, you, you certainly did give back with your humor, though. I mean, I again, I was looking at your at your Instagram and there you were. Well, you can't go to the beach, but here's, you know, here's put on your bikini and your towel and let's bring Minnie and let's or, you know, the exercises. Well, you can't. I mean, I don't know what that exercise machine was that you had where you do the side thing. Is there a name for that? I was going, what is that? No, she's doing? that what? was almost, yeah, that was a joke because, you know, when all the gyms, like you said, if you, you know, I didn't want to cry. So I laughed instead. And um, <laughs> I, um, I have these uh, high top, I had a high top table and those little swivel chairs. And so my joke of not being able to go to the gym and work out was to swivel on these high top chairs and move back and forth and talk about how that was my new workout at home now. Um, and well, yeah, like you said, yeah. mm -hmm. <laughs> oh, good. I'm, I'm glad. I, I thought it was, it was, it kept my humor alive anyway, to be able to make those short videos and share them with everyone. Well, it, it, again, it makes you who you are. It's, it's, let's bring a little levity to, to a situation where we're in a box. And we can't, you yes. know, we can't reach out and touch anybody. So this is your way of touching people. The other thing that people should know about you, I mean, you always bring humor into what you're doing. And, and the, the, the humor that you bring is, is the big smile on your face and the, and, the, and the things that you do allow other people to utilize these skills that you're you're trying to help impart in them. You always talk about putting that pencil in your mouth in order to sort of force the smile and that causes you to, you know, the mouth to go up. And I think you are doing it all the time and it, it, it does help with your brain. And I know for myself when I'm nervous, if I put on a big smile, it, it does so much for me. But I have connected you with the surprise guest and of course we're <laughs> thinking sideways and you know, I brought you together with my friend Adele Myers. Hello. She Hi. is, yes. <laughs> hello, hello, ladies. And I'm thrilled to have you guys get together because Adele is a returning guest. Thank you, Adele. You're so patient. Mm -hmm. And she has, um, she's a pro professor and co collaborator, risk taker, so many things that you guys have in common. But what I really found interesting is that Adele has a program, and I'm going to let her talk about it. It's called TWIST, These Women in Space and Time. And I've connected you because of the unique perspective you both bring as professors and leaders in your field with messages that are delivered through different mediums, but if overlaid, will create what I think is magic. And I think maybe from helping educators connect 
to those who are not using their voices in middle and high school to creating dance around concepts, the opportunities are endless. And so with that, I'd love for you to start having a bit of a dialogue, not to put you on the spot, but to let you show how connected you are. Hi, Tracy. Hi, what a pleasure to meet you. <laughs> you as well. I mean, listening to this, I'm, I'm writing down madly and then I'm looking you up and I'm like, how she's not that far. I'm in Miami and she's in Jacksonville. And um, just to give a little context. So I'm in the field of dance and uh, as a choreography, choreographer and artistic director of Adele Myers mm-hmm. and Dancers. And this project is called, like Alicia said, Twist these women in space and time. And I'm looking at the ways that women move through the world in their daily choreographies. Um, Why we make the decisions we make to Mm. give up our space or time Mm -hmm. and kind of parsing out why we call it our instinct, how we internalize sometimes the way we have been conditioned to move through the world. You know, I can only take that so far, but when when we move through the world as dancers, we pay attention to the sensations in our bodies first. That tells us so much and that's what we're listening to. There's just so much I'm eager to speak with you about and I have a little more of an advantage because I knew I was coming on today. (laughs) (laughs) Not to put you on the spot or anything, uh, Tracy, but I know you land on your feet. (laughs) Absolutely, and I have so many things. The minute you started talking about twist and the way the body moves, I just got goosebumps for a couple of reasons. One, um, you know, there's this there's this big idea, psychologically grounded idea that your body keeps score of trauma. So it actually, mm. you hold the trauma in that. And so, when, you know, when Alicia mentioned about biting a pencil to smile, that's called the facial feedback hypothesis. And mm. in a microcosm, you can change your facial expressions to trick your brain into thinking that you're happy in that particular instance. But equally, there's your your body posture and, and that whole, it's called the embodiment theory and the idea that the way you stand, and again, there's lots of research that your posture can not only have physiological impacts, such as decreasing your stress hormones, your cortisol levels, but mm. can also make you feel more confident. And so the fact that you are looking specifically at women and how we take this approach, that, you know, one of the chapters in the book, um, I look at leadership and speak specifically about body language that women adopt in or don't adopt in mm-hmm. leadership roles. And I, I'm just so excited to hear that you're approaching this from both an artistic perspective and I think there's so much scope even from a therapeutic perspective. You know, as a licensed psychologist, one of the big things I talk about is even how we how we sit and mm-hmm. the way we sit is a good indication of the way we are keeping our trauma or anxiety mm. and so on. The one thing that I saved, but I find <laughs> really interesting is you both, in your case with Oma Adele, Adele's great grandmother was a mm. trailblazer. Um, and you can say a couple things about that. And then your grandmother, Tracy, trailblazer. So just mm-hmm. maybe two sentences each on that, if you guys want to chat about that, because I find that's another thing. But there's still more you have in common. <laughs> mm. Mm. Goodness, well, I'd love to hear about Oma. <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, I, I want to tie it to, um, you know, this concept of what is uniquely female, 
because I definitely grew up in a matriarchy and mm. it was her, her presence. She could walk into a room and she was formidable and you just sensed her and, you know, just the power and she that got passed down through time. And I've always thought about this idea of a uniquely female. We always are doing this binary male, female, or what we lack, but man, why aren't we taking, why aren't we like treasuring what is unique to us? Why are we constantly in this mode of comparison? And Mm -hmm. I'm just, I'm really starving for that uniquely female aspect because to me, that's if there's a path of feminism that I'm interested in, it -hmm. is that. I love that. And that was certainly, um, you know, with the book too, one of my big goals was, again, not to to say one way is right or wrong or better or worse, but it was really just to create an awareness that one size doesn't fit all. So when I'm reading these scientific articles and I'm seeing the takeaways that are, well, you know, we do this and it's this collective, oh, we all are the same. And I wanted to be able to look a little bit under the hood and see what those nuances might look like um, in Mm -hmm. the brain. And then ultimately, so that we have an appreciation, how do we make decisions in life in love and leadership under stress? And so we can learn to lean into our strengths and celebrate, you know, how our brain actually works, rather than believing a myth or a story that we may have heard, or even that we may tell ourselves as well. I'm loving this. I just I just love it when a plan works. And so the last <laughs> little tidbit, you know, you know, my, it's my brain again, Tracy, you, both of you know, actually, I, I know Bedell very well. And you guys will have a lot of fun chatting. But the last thing that I'd like to talk about is that you both like that trapeze. <laughs> There's something about that trapeze where you both are soaring. Let's end on this but a couple words about that trapeze i mean for as a performer i i did a fair amount of touring Mm -hmm. while being in a company that incorporated trapeze and the silks and flying through the air and soaring all over and i'm actually afraid of heights so um, yes but then i made (laughs) and i made a work that was based on my fear of heights and i was interested in the space between falling and flying And I I made all of our collaborators, the dramaturg, the composer, all the dancers. I was working with a writer. I had Mm -hmm. all of us launch the project by going to trapeze school in New York City on the rooftop because I wanted us all to start from the sensation of when you're flying through the air and you let go, that moment. And how do you harness that sensation um, of being in control, of being out of control? And so, yeah, the trapeze has my heart, mind, and body. That's incredible. Um, I came to it by accident. I thought I was walking into a um, aerial <laughs> yoga studio and um, was quite surprised. <laughs> but for me, I mean, I'm not a performer. This is, you know, a hobby and I like, I like to move. That is the way in which it's my therapy is whether it's through, you know, as Alicia mentioned, barefoot running on the beach or, you know, the trapeze or, or the, the little gym rings. And I, I have had silks in my house before as well. Um, so for me, it was just a great way to, to learn. And it's so immediately reinforcing. So I've, I've run forever. I, I'm not competitive and I'm not any faster than I was when I first started years ago. <laughs> but with trapeze, it's completely different. You know, you, 
you try something new, you don't get it, and you keep working on it, and then all of a sudden it just clicks, and mm -hmm. it's just that fantastic feeling. And so, from that perspective, it's you know it's this huge dopamine rush if we're talking brain mm. science here. It's it's immediately rewarding for me. Again, you know, my bar is not performance level. My my bar is I couldn't do it, and now I can, and it's very exciting. And so, on my small scale, I uh, I did. Uh, choreograph and put together a showcase hmm. at the end of last year which was a lot of fun for me so wow see wow. there it is and she says she's not a performer did you hear that wrong and then, she, and wrong. then she's like yeah i choreographed something what that's right yes so see i see this on stage i see some kind of connection on stage hmm. with you guys applying both of your backgrounds and and being on the trapeze um, I just, you, you both are soaring. That's, that's what it is. You are soaring and you're going to soar together. You know, a sort of brain and movement uh, yes. piece. I, I think that would be very dynamic. Yep. Well, there's yep. so many ways you can go because the messaging too with girls connecting with their bodies and, and sure. Adele's, Adele's yeah. very upfront about it. You do not have to, this is not about being a skinny little thing. This is about right. being powerful and strong yes. and you have that yes. same messaging and, Absolutely. and, just taking those two things to the next level, you could, I mean, be so therapeutic in a myriad, yeah. a yeah. myriad of situations, including oh, corporate. Absolutely. Yes. Mm -hmm. And I mean, I certainly see that in the studio where I practiced, where, you know, we had a, a woman who had um, scoliosis and, she, you know, and, her, you know, you come in, you can't put yourself up on the bar and then all of a sudden you're doing flips on it or you're upside mm -hmm. down on mm -hmm. it. And it's just, you're right. It's not about looking a certain way. It's about the way you feel that exhilaration because you it's your limit and you pushed it and then you achieved it and you set the next one you keep moving mm -hmm. and physical sensation is a form mm. of knowledge and right. that is something that's really pushed to the side in our culture mm. and mm -hmm. I, I i bear witness to our bodies um to our female bodies as power centers that are governed by sensation and the more that we harness that as opposed to our aesthetic I believe that decision making will begin to shift and the way yeah. we move through the world and the place where the brain body overlaps um, yeah. is what I'm really so starving for. I have so many questions for you. <laughs> I took a psychology class in at Sarah Lawrence, um, I believe mm -hmm. in, as a freshman, and mm -hmm. I did a project on body language. Oh. And I still have this to this day where the my teacher who was amazing wrote to me, I think you're going to come back to this crossroads between the way the brain and the body works. I just feel like this is going to come back again. Wow. I know. That's do incredible. I need to play that background? Do, 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 do. <laughs> yeah. You've got the trapeze. Amazing. You've got the great grandmother and grandma. You've got these, yeah. you know, <laughs> twists. Everything is, is uh, think like a girl. So I'm just excited. This makes me so happy and Listen, that's what, this is what I wanted to happen. Mm. This mm. is what this whole Let's Connect for Good is about. It's about good people doing great things together and sharing and offering it out to others. And this makes me so, so happy. I just want to again say the name of Tracy's book is, I'm going to shorten it, Think Like a Girl. And Adele, these women in space and time, and I think there's going to be some interesting name 
that comes out of these two things, potentially. (laughs) And if you want to reach out, we will provide uh, your bio on my website at Let's Connect for Good. But for you two to maybe give them give them a, a way to connect with you just now it would be great. After you, Tracy. Sure. Um, so my website is tracyalloway.com. Um, lots of little videos and resources there, as well as links to the books. Um, I'm on social media, as Alicia mentioned. Um, <laughs> yes, she is. I love, <laughs> I love connecting <laughs> there. Um, it's, my handle is Dr. Tracy Alloway. That's D-R uh, Tracy Alloway. Please let's continue connecting uh, online as well. I'd love to be able to hear from you there. Wonderful. I'm already following you, by the way. <laughs> oh, wonderful. Thank you. <laughs> I follow both of you. Yes. Um, <laughs> so as the artistic director of Adele Myers and Dancers, you can learn more about our company, Adele, like the singer, Myers, M-Y-E-R-S, <laughs> and dancers.com. You can also follow us on Instagram, Adele Myers and Dancers. And um, I'm just looking forward to connecting with Tracy and want to say thank you so much to Alicia because, you know, your connections are gifts for the rest of us. Oh, yes, so a big nice. thank now you. I'm teary. <laughs> <laughs> now I'm getting teary-eyed. We had one at the front and the end here. <laughs> Let's connect her. Good. Well, I just want to thank you both because as a person I've learned so much from both of you and I count myself lucky to continue to have a connection with you both so thanks again and have a great great day thank you